Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, Episode 24, with Samara Murtaugh. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. If you care about missions, this is the place for you. Whether you're actively involved in ministry and missions, are considering missions, or serve God in the marketplace with a heart for God's kingdom, you're in the right place. Join us each week for inspiration, encouragement, resources, and so much more as we delight in the things that God is doing all around the world. All right. Let's get started. I am mm-hmm. really happy to have Samara Murtaugh on the line with me today. I connected with her through Paul Yoder of Donor Elf, and it's great for me to be able to talk with her. Samara is originally from the U.S., but she's currently teaching first grade in Thailand. And you might have noticed that there's a little bit of noise in the background. That's because the best, the best internet connection we could get in the quietest environment we could get for her was in a coffee shop. And so we're just going to ask that if you would just bear with us on that, because I really believe that God has something to share with us um, through her story. Now, being in Thailand and teaching first grade might not be something that a lot of people think of as a mission opportunity, but I think it's a great opportunity for people to get to know, for, for us to get to know people on their own turf. And I think it's an amazing opportunity to share the love of Jesus with people. Okay, yeah. Samara, now I've given just a little introduction. Can you take a minute and tell us about yourself and, and your ministry? We'd like to get to know you personally. Yeah, awesome. Hi, I'm Samara. Um, I have lived in Thailand now for two years, and prior to coming to Thailand, I studied art in America, so I had never, ever thought of being an English teacher or a teacher of any sorts, but I came to Thailand as a church planter from my church in Waypoint, and um, my team leader, Caleb, highly believes that education is one of the best ways to plant churches, to build relationships, to get involved into the in the community. And so we've plugged into with a school called School of Promise. And it's in a it's in a lower income community. And a lot of the students that we're working with, I would say the majority, probably 80% of the students, are from tribal families from the mountain. And so they wouldn't get like they don't have this opportunity to get education on the mountain and they come they come home and a lot or they come to Chiang Mai I'm sorry they come to Chiang Mai to get an education a lot of them without their parents their parents still live on the mountain and they stay in like children's homes and whatnot and so this school is focused on giving these types of students this demographic of student an excellent education and then also it's a Christian school so that we get to incorporate Jesus and prayers and um teaching the Bible in every, every day. So it's actually, it's been really, really cool. And, um, I feel like we're part of the community here. People know us. They, um, when we go to the markets, we like, 
when we go out to eat, everybody, like, we always see somebody that we know and they're like, oh, hello, Miss Samara. That's great. Now, Samara, most of our (laughs) listeners are people who live in the U.S. or in North America. And there are such a wide variety of mission lifestyles, if you will. Everything from Uh someone who lives in, say, Belgium or somewhere in Europe, where it's basically what we would think of as a first world country, Uh all the way to people who live in villages and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about what life is like for you? Yeah. Um, We don't live in a village per se, but we don't live in the city. We definitely have a country life. We're about 25 minutes away from Chiang Mai city. And so we, we raise chickens at our house. We have lots and lots of chickens. We is myself. I, I, um, I'm single, but then I live with my team leader family so there's four of them and then right now we have one teenage Thai girl that lives with us but we've had like a revolving door of different situations and people in our house we've had up to nine people right now it's just we have six people living in our house and um our school is like it's about a two-minute walk from our house and so I get to walk to school and um yeah there's cows that live next door to us and graze sometimes in our yard. Um, we buy our produce at a market that we, we just walk to the market. Um, it's about a five-minute walk. And, yeah, everything we need is a walk, walking distance away. And then, yeah, if there's something more extravagant or more comforting that we need, it's typically in the city, and we drive motorbikes to get around. All right. Thanks, Samara. Now that we know you a little bit, can you share with us a scripture or a motivational quote that's really been meaningful to you? And then share with us how that scripture or that quote has really shaped your behavior? Yes. Okay. Scripture is alive always. And so it's always changing, like, what what scripture it is that's, like, so important right now. But for me, lately, Philippians 4, 6 through 8 has been, like, my life breath. I've been needing it, like, constantly. So it's be anxious about nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to the Lord, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. And then it goes on to say, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Um, <laughs> there's a lot in these scriptures, but lately, I mean, not only just the be anxious about nothing, like that's huge, and I could just talk about that for a long time, but... Um, be anxious about nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication make your request known to the lord and i just love that because i mean we all know like god is ever knowing he already knows our situations but i think so often we forget to make our requests known to the lord so instead of being anxious or being consumed with worry about situations with the kids i mean our students have so many hard situations like there are so many hard situations that it can get pretty hopeless sometimes and I have to just constantly remind myself no like don't be hopeless don't be anxious but make my request known to the Lord God I I request that the students parents love them that they return to their kids that their hearts turn to their kids instead of just being anxious and hopeless and whatnot but then the second the second part where it's like whatever is true and honorable and just like that is just such 
such a check on me with my thoughts and what am I thinking about? Like, what are my thoughts right now? Are my thoughts on, am I thinking about what's pure and what's lovely or am I thinking about what's annoying me and what's hard and what I don't like about the situation? So it's just been really good reminders for me lately to check, call myself and to check, like, what am I doing right now? Am I being anxious? Am I being negative or am I asking God, like bringing God into the situation and looking at things from his point of view. You know, it's interesting that you share that. Um, over the last few weeks, I've found that uh, with all of the things that are going on in the world and some things that are very clearly evil, uh, that mm-hmm. it's hard for me to bring my focus back to Christ and go, yes, there are bad things in the world. And yes, I care. And yes, I want to do yep. something, but it's all about him. And right. man, that's, that's been a real challenge for me. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. That speaks to me in areas <laughs> that I need to grow. I was just going to say, I mean, it's a hard, like, it's a constant reminder. Like it's where the word has to be on my tongue and like in my mind, because like you said, there's a lot going on right now. And then even in just my small community of um, people, there's a lot going on. And so it can get so hard to not get sucked into like the hopeless thoughts of just, well, this is just the way it is, or the world is going to hell. <laughs> like, but that's not how God sees it. And so it's been just a, it's been a good practice for sure. Now, Samara, I really appreciate that you've shared that scripture with us and how it's been applying to your life. It's clear from mm-hmm. that, that God knows that we have challenges. Yeah. As we look at the lives of missionaries, sometimes it can seem like everything is always unicorns and rainbows. You know, if we go to <laughs> go to church and they're sharing about their thing, or we look at Facebook, it, it, sometimes they don't want to share the challenges or the heartbreaks or things like that. But those are yeah. real for all of us. Can you take us to a time in your journey when you encountered a challenge or a failure or a place where something felt hopeless? Take us to that so we can kind of be there with, with you and then share with us how God came through for you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, I had a different story in mind, but heartbreak this is here i'm just going to share one of the biggest heartbreaks the biggest challenges since being here um but god yeah god really did come through too um (laughs) right away i had been here about two weeks and there was a situation with a brother and sister at the school that um their their mom lived on the mountain and their father lived in the city and he was supposed to be their caregiver, but he sent them to a children's home because he just didn't want to take care of them. And so they were at the children's home and then just like weird stuff happened with the children's home. And I still like still two years later, don't quite know all the details, but basically all the kids had to find different places because there was nobody, there was actually nobody at the home taking care of them. So um, a lot of those students were out, or a lot of those kids were our students. And so our school kind of worked hard to find different homes for them. And we got, we got two of them, um, Mark and Mai, and they are just precious. Mark at that time was in fourth grade and Mai was in second grade. And they came to live with us. They didn't speak any English. I mean, I had been here for two weeks, so my tie was not existent. And um, my team leaders, their tie was okay, but I mean, we were all so in the learning process and whatnot, but they became part of our family. Um, I mean, I still, they still have, hold just like such a special, special, special place in my heart, like little brother and little sister or niece and nephew. And they lived with us for 
almost a year, not quite a year. It was probably like 10 and a half months. And um, towards the end of their stay, we found out that their mom was in the city. And we were really confused about that because we highly believe like, okay, yes, this is better for them to live with us than in the children's home or even just with their dad by themselves because he's not um, taking care of them. Mm -hmm. But we believe that kids should be with their moms. It's like, if that's at all possible, they should be with their mom. So we found out she was working in the city. So I um, went with one of the Thai staff members to where we heard that she was working and um, just wanted to talk to her, see if she knew like where her kids were, see if she like, just, just to find out what she had to say. And, um, we showed up at her job and I let the Thai staff member do it, do all the talking. Cause this could be kind of intimidating, um, for a Western, they call us Farang, for a Farang to come up and talk to her about, Hey, you know, I'm taking care of your kids. But, um, she immediately, I stayed out of the conversation, so I don't really know what was being said, but I was watching, and the mom immediately just started crying, which is not Thai at all. It's not um, culturally appropriate to show emotions, but she just starts crying, and um, the Thai teacher, she talked to her for probably about 20 minutes and then um, came back to me, and she's like, okay, well, she knows that you have the kids. She knows where they are, and... Um, but she can't come get them, so we just need to go home. And it was just, like, kind of confusing and whatnot. And over the course of an, probably another two weeks, um, she started, we just, we started, like, pursuing more and trying to figure out what's going on. And we found out that the dad wasn't allowing her, like, the mom and dad were living together, but the dad wasn't allowing her to have, like, take care of the kids. And it was not a very, it was not a safe environment for her or for the kids and so we invited her to come stay in our house as well so that at least she could be with our kids you know Mm -hmm. and um i'm telling you this woman she was so skinny like so just sickly skeleton skinny and wouldn't smile and just had no life in her but we let her she came and she stayed in our house and she um her kids would sleep in her room with her and it was just it was a good it was good and we were making preparations for this to be more of a long-term situation and you know we're not certain what was going to go but we were all just very happy we were happy to have her with us we were happy that the kids are with their mom they hadn't seen her in you know at least a year and so we're just like this is good like god is doing things we've been praying for this family and then all of a sudden one day like without warning the dad comes to our house and it was early in the morning he doesn't go to the front door he went to a side door and like pounded on the side door until somebody let him in but the side door is close to where the mom was staying and so she let him in and he packed everybody up and took them out. And my team leader, Caleb, like tried to confront him and tried to tell him like, this is not, you're not making a good decision. But um, he was angry and not listening. And he just took everybody away. And it was just like in a um, snap of a finger that these kids were no longer with us. And in what we seemed you know, like from everything we could see in not a good situation. And the following weeks, I mean, that day was a mess. We were, we were all, there's an airplane, I'll wait for a second. (laughs) Okay. We were, we were absolute mess, like crying. And I mean, they were our, our kids, 
and then they were just taken away. And we seems we just felt so helpless in the situation because we can't really tell the dad no, you know, they are his. So over the next couple of weeks, we did our best. Like we went to the house, we tried, um, tried to see him, tried to check out, but we were finding that the more, the more that we intervened, the more that we showed up, the more violent he was towards the mom. And there was one situation that he um, beat her pretty bad and nobody was able to find her for a couple days. Like she just didn't show up and she wasn't at home. And so it was just like a really not awesome time for us. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we just have to pray all the time and pray for these kids and pray for the situation. And now fast forward, it's been another, it's been a year. And dad is still, he's not a, a believer. <laughs> yeah, he's not. But he's calmed down. Like, he's not the angry man anymore. And mom has, like, gotten so fat, I just don't even know. Like, she she started working at the School of Promise and um, is the kitchen help. And she gained just, she got started getting healthy. I don't know what happened aside from prayers but she started getting healthy and so she gained just like started gaining weight gaining weight gaining weight and it's quite adorable these days and she doesn't stop smiling like she just smiles and is so happy and it's quite hilarious she's very funny and she wants to wear nice clothes and she just like cares about herself now and the kids my the little girl she used to be like connected to my leg (laughs) like I couldn't really go anything anywhere without her being like attached to me. And now she's so happy with her mom that not that I don't exist anymore, but I'm not special necessarily. It's the mom is special and I'm just, I'm just a teacher at the school and their son's English has improved drastically. And he's just has like, I don't know it's everything has just changed. And all of them are doing so much better. We don't see dad very often, but when we do see him, he used to like, not that I was scared of him because I'm not one that gets scared, but my stomach would hurt. Like I just wouldn't feel safe or I was like, oh, something's good's not like something bad's going to happen. And now it's just fine. It's like, okay, whatever. He's fine. He's here and it's okay. And so it just shows God's faithfulness. Like, God loves those kids. We were not the saviors. We're not the ones like ultimately in control of anything. We're not the ones that can fix the situation, but God can. And um, it's just the family is so different now. I wish I had pictures of her name is May. That's the mom. I wish I had pictures like before and then now. She just doesn't look like the same person anymore. And it's every time I see her, it's like, wow, <laughs> you were that person. Like you were just a skeleton. So it's that, been cool. That's a great story, Samara. Thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate how, um, it shows the full range of God's faithfulness in that. Now we do want to go ahead and move to the other end of the spectrum though, because just yeah. as we have these challenges where it seems like sometimes God picks us up out of the pit, there are also yeah. times when there are just what we would almost see, see as a, a moment of revelation where God maybe imparts something to us or we get some revelation of what's been happening for a while. Can you take us yeah. to a, a time when, when that happened in your journey, um, maybe a moment when God 
gave you some kind of revelation. And then tell us what you did to take what God was showing you and run with it. I hope this answers your question well. So we were supposed to be number one church planters. Like that is our vision and our call is to see Thailand change through the multiplication of churches, but like not like building, but raising up believers in God and discipling them. Mm-hmm. And so often because we're teachers and I mean, I in particular work with first graders, it can get, it can get, um, not exhausting. That's not the right word, but it's like, Oh, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm, I'm investing a lot of time into seven year old children. And, um, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, but it's just one of those, like, is this really church planning God? Is this, is this really what you want? And, um, constantly, constantly the Lord has brought me back to, you know, like taking care of the least of these, like that's the gospel, taking care of the least of these, um, you know, having the faith like a child, that's how you, you enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you have the faith of a child. And so there's just been a lot of like, that God's been speaking to me of like the importance of children and don't worry, don't worry about having the big flashy mission, like ministry that everybody is just like, Oh wow. Like it's okay that I'm doing the low work, the little work with the first, the first graders, like that's okay. So to paint a picture of my, this is from a story from last year's class. I only had seven students and they mostly came from, okay families for the majority like they were okay, like stable kids but they were all buddhist no um no exposure to the gospel until now in first grade and so the, we have a i have a taiko teacher and she teaches there's a bible curriculum and she teaches along that and i'm supposed to like follow up and do the same stories just in English. But for me, I was just like, you know, this is the most important part of our day is teaching, teaching the Bible curriculum. And I feel more importantly than teaching the stories of the Bible, I think it's most important to teach the character of God. And so I would just spend probably the first half an hour of class teaching on different aspects of God's character, be it his faithfulness, his love, his just whatever, (laughs) everlasting goodness. And um, I I had one student in particular, his name is Folk. And one day I asked like, okay, kids, what do we want to pray for? And he said he didn't feel good or whatever. And so I was like, okay, well, who wants to pray for Folk? And no, everybody is scared. And so I just like prayed the, you know, like, God, I ask that you come, heal, heal folk, have them, help them feel better. Well, the next week when students aren't feeling, I had more kids, they're like, we don't feel good. We don't feel good. I was like, okay, who wants to pray for them? And folk comes and he prays for the students. And I was just like, wow, this is super cute. Like this little first grade Buddhist boy is asking God to heal the students. And I mean, he's just believing that God will do that. And it just like started growing. Like every time I had a situation where somebody wanted prayer, Folk was like, I I want to pray. I will pray. I will pray. And another thing about Folk is he was my lowest performing student. Like he had no idea A from C and 
typically no idea what was going on in class, but he wanted to pray. And so I was just like, yes, you will pray. You will pray. And then I had a couple, you know, months later, I had a situation with another student who he's one of my strong, he was a strong student. He never cried. He was really energetic, just like a typical boy, like, you know, never really had any problems with him unless it was just, he was being too noisy, but he was like, really not feeling well and crying and he said he had a stomach ache and he was like crying and I'm like this is not normal because normally like he's not a crier and so I told him like let's call your mom let's let's get you to go home and he's just like no mom won't can't come get me and I sent him to the office to be with the um the office teachers and they sent him back because I guess his mom just won't come get him so he has to stay at school so I had him like go lay in the back of the class and I was like well if anybody wants to go pray for both days his name both day um yeah please please go he's not feeling well otherwise we're just gonna keep going on with class so folk of course of all of the students gets up <laughs> and it was like such a cute picture so i have both a sitting like laying he's laying on the floor in the back and then folk gets a chair and he just so solemnly sits there and is praying and he prayed for a long time and then, then when he felt like he was done praying he came back to class but it was it was a long time and um i'm telling you it was probably like five minutes later both day was fine oh. he is back I know it was like crazy. And I was just like, are you kidding me? And he was, he was laughing and playing. He was just his normal self. And I was like, what's going on? And he was like, well, God healed me. And I was yeah. like, yes, he did. God healed you. And so I stopped the class and we all just talked about it and everybody like clapped and cheered. And it was just like, God healed him. And I was like, that's it. I mean, that's, that's what faith like a child is. And it was just such a beautiful picture. And it kind of made like what I'm doing is important <laughs> being with the first graders is important and it's like changing it's going to change the future like it's changing them it's instilling these things right now and um this is a story from last year and so now he's in a uh, folk is on a different level and the, his um, english teacher says he prays every single day and now he prays in english he doesn't pray in thai mm -hmm. which is like a huge deal because I still, I mean, two years into learning Thai, I pray in English because it's hard to pray in a different language. Yeah. And so to have this little first grader, like, or he's a second grader now, he's praying in English and he just is excited about God. And it's like, that is exciting. So that's, I don't know if that really answered the question. <laughs> that's, that's a great story. And one of the things I want to key in on was the investment that you're making in, in these children. Uh, mm -hmm. Because a couple of my former guests um, have talked about that kind of thing, not specifically children. But mm -hmm. um, Jay spent uh, several years in Myanmar, or Burma, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and investing in the indigenous church there, multiplication, things like that. And he was always looking for the person that he could invest in who would invest in other people. And mm -hmm. uh, Rich Frazier, whose ministry is that they go over and they train indigenous leaders who are already leading churches on Bible mm -hmm. things or whatever they need, he said that the fruit of a leader is not followers. The fruit of a mm -hmm. leader is other leaders. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're investing in these kids in such a way that they become the leaders that God has for them, that they become mm -hmm. the people that God has them to be, and then they live in a way that they encourage other people to do that, that is a huge investment. So I really appreciate that. Now, yeah. we, 
we are running just a little bit long, so we'll probably need to keep the answers to the next few questions a little bit short, but I do want to move, move. No, 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 no need to apologize. <laughs> These are great stories and I really want to get them out there, but I do mm-hmm. want to move to the present day. I'd like to hear a little yep. bit about what's going on in, in your ministry and maybe yep. something that's exciting you. Yeah, so current ministry, I teach again um, Thursday, Tuesdays and Thursdays is English, and then Mondays and Wednesdays I teach special ed, which that's a new program that started this year, mostly because we got a surprise special ed student last year. It was a surprise. Nobody knew of her needs and whatnot, and she was in my class, and I just kind of was a clinging gong or something. I just couldn't stop saying, like, we need like help for her she's not getting what she needs being in normal class and so you know eat my words now I am the special ed department (laughs) and so that's Monday and Wednesdays and um, I also started a little art studio after school on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and so um, kids that want to come and do art after school come to my little studio and that's been awesome like I just I love it like that's that's more I feel like what I've made for is art, so it's exciting. But what I'm most excited for is we've started a Friday night um, small group for teenage girls. We at one point had three teenage girls that we were, were part of our life, like and living in our house and whatnot. And so we were like, well, this is we need to start making sure to be intentional about discipleship and whatnot. So we started a small group, and at this point. We have six girls that come on a weekly basis, and from the get-go, the vulnerability has been really high. And I said it before, but like Thai culture, we don't is not really big on vulnerability or emotions, and you don't have feelings. And these girls have just been super open and super vulnerable. And the last four weeks, we've started going through Fresh Start, which is um, forgiveness material and teaching on forgiveness, and it's just been awesome to see what God is doing and. Um, the things that the girls are willing to find to forgive and some of the stories it's the first time they've told anybody and you know, wow. and so it's, it's just been really really cool and exciting to see like god's faithfulness when we do what's a little it's kind of uncomfortable sometimes like okay yeah. we're going to talk about these things but it's been really it's been really cool so now, we, we do know that not everybody is called to vocational ministry, and I've mm-hmm. been really excited about asking you about this question, uh, mm-hmm. because I know that what you do is kind of bridging the gap between vocational ministry and uh, working in the marketplace, because you are working in a school. You have a job. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. What would you tell somebody who is called into the marketplace, but is starting to wonder if what they're doing in business or in teaching or something like that really matters in the kingdom? Well, okay, I believe that if you're a Christian, you're called to the Great Commission, but it's just wherever you are. Like, God has people wherever you are that he wants to bring into the kingdom. And so it's just big for me. It's like, okay, God, who do you have in front of me? Who do you have in front of me? So if you're going to work, like, who does God have there? Who does God have there that needs to know him? And I feel like I've gotten jumbled from where I was going to go with this, but um, I would just say, you know, pray for people. If somebody's sick, that's a, such an easy way to like to start. Like if somebody's not feeling well, they have a headache. Like, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah. And it's super uncomfortable. I used to do this. At, I worked at a coffee shop for four years, and I, I mean, would force myself when my coworkers are not feeling well, pray for them. Like. 
it's un- it's totally uncomfortable, especially I would say more so in America than when you're in a different culture because people look at you funny. But um, it opens it opens the door of like, okay, no, you can't pray for me. That's fine. Okay, then that's fine. You just can't pray for them. But if they say yes, like a, it opens the door for God to do something awesome. B, it opens the door for for the conversation, and C, it just kind of moves you into a deeper level of relationship because it's like. A vulnerable thing offering yourself up for prayer and yeah I just God has people everywhere that that need him and we're all as human beings we're all we're all longing for God we're all longing for him to fill our hearts like we're made for him and so I have to always remind myself of that too like everybody wants the gospel whether or not they know it or not and so you're really just offering offering what they want. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, Samara, we're right at the 30 minute mark. Are you okay if we keep going for just a little bit longer? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. I just want to be really sensitive of your time. And I think that we're going to go ahead and transition ahead to the speed round. This is okay. where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us with your amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what is one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? Honestly, being completely honest, uh-huh. is that a lot of missionaries in my culture live in missionary worlds. <laughs> and so I have to be prepared to not really, oh, how do I say this politely? <laughs> I've had to make very strict choices on how I live my life so that I am in Thai culture instead of in a subculture of missionaries. And I wasn't prepared for that necessarily. And um, it's been eye-opening, but it's been, I don't know, it's been, it's been good. I mean, I've seen the fruit of my decisions, but yeah, that's something I didn't, didn't know before. (laughs) That's something I would never have considered. So that's interesting. What's the best advice you've ever received? to be myself. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. Can you, can you share one of your personal habits that you strongly believes, believe contributes to your success? Yeah. I smile all the time. And I mean, maybe it's a cultural thing, but like I smile all the time and people are just like, why are you smiling? (laughs) And people want, I don't know, people want to be my friend or they think I'm silly. And it just, it has broken down so many walls of just like how I carry myself and just remember like smile, smile. It makes people want to know me and want to be my friend and want to start relationships. So I really, I honestly think that smiling is a good habit. <laughs> that's great. And I, I tell you, I can hear your smile from this side of the ocean too. It's, it's infectious. So that's, that's excellent. Now, do you have an internet resource that you use and could share with our listeners? Yes, I love it. It's called theversusproject.com. Okay. And it's not like a typical research, whatever, but it has, they put, they take different verses from the Bible for every week. Sometimes it's every two weeks. And they have a little devotional on that verse, but then they also put the verse to song and then do art with the verse. Oh. And the songs are beautiful they're not like boring (laughs) they're not boring songs they're songs that you would want to listen to normally and so it's been really 
awesome for me, like learning scripture and memorizing it in that way where I get it stuck in my head. And then when I go for runs, my playlist now is just verses and um, it just gets the mute. It gets the scripture in my body and in my mind. And so I really recommend it. It's the versus That's great. I'd never heard of that before. So I'm, I've got that in the back of my head. Now I'll be looking that up to see what that's like. Do you have one book that you could recommend for our listeners? Yeah, it's a country. I was like, don't know if I want to say this book, but I just read The Shack and I know that that was out a long time ago, uh-huh. but it was awesome revelation for me of just like reminder of God's infinite love for us. And I feel like, I mean, being a missionary, even just being back at home too, like we need to constantly remind, be reminded of like God loves us so much and it's not a performance. It's not about what we're doing. Like he doesn't really care about any things that I'm doing for him. He cares about my heart and who I am. And it's just such a good reminder. And it takes a lot of pressure off yeah. too when we remember that. So. Uh- that's good. And for those who are listening, we will have all of these uh, linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Samara Murta, and that's M-U-R-T-A-U-G-H, Samara Murta. Mm-hmm. Now, Samara, we're going to go a little bit deeper, and I think we're probably just going to hit one or two more questions on our way out. Um, uh-huh. But this is our chance to learn from your experience in the ministry that you've been doing. So I think this is really critical for us. Mm-hmm. What's one thing that somebody could do to start discipling and ministering the love of Christ when they realize that they've got a neighbor or a coworker whose heritage is from another culture that they don't understand yet. Yep. Yeah. I would say number one thing is to not be scared. Like I think there's just a lot of fear of, I don't know enough or I don't know what to say, or I'm just going to be uncomfortable. Like just getting over that is like step number one. And then number two, just to go get, get to know them, love, love your neighbor, love, just love them. Just get to know them, like knock on their door, bring them food and just don't focus so much on saying the right things and being uber holy. I think like that's where we can get like caught up is when we're worried about doing everything right. Just focus on, you know, making your, making your friend, being a friend. Like we're all, we're all on the same, we're all humans. We're all basically the same. And so, yeah, just go over, go over and start, start conversation and sit, sit awkwardly in their living room, not knowing what to say. Like it really speaks a lot. Just your presence and your willingness to come over and your willingness to say yes to opportunities. Like, I don't know how many times like people invite me to things that it's just like, this is so weird and so out of my comfort zone, but it just means so much that I'm there. And I, I think the same happens in America too. just, just say yes to opportunities okay. and not, don't worry if it doesn't feel comfortable because that's okay. All right. Now, Samara, we're almost done. Could you share with us one last piece of advice and the best way for people to connect with you? And then we'll say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I've kind of been saying it a long time. My biggest piece of advice is to just not be scared, not to, not to worry about looking silly or messing up or doing things right. Cause I'm really learning that there's not necessarily a right way to do things. And that when we're stepping out in faith and when our heart really is, for the Lord and his glory, like God is going to take our, 
silly mess ups and really use it for his glory. So I just say, don't be scared. If you feel that like urging in your heart to pray for someone or even just to like say hi to someone, sometimes people don't want to say hi because they're like worried what they're going to think. But if you feel that urging, just go ahead and do it. It's okay. And smile, smile a lot. All right. And is there a way for our listeners to connect with you? Yeah. Um, I'm not on Facebook. So the best way I, I check my email regularly. So okay. email and my email address. Do you want me to give it right now? Um, well, I guess the first question would be, are you okay if I put that on the website? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then go ahead and give that. And then I'll just put it in the show notes for everybody. Okay. So my email address is sunshine Samara. Um, Samara's S-A-M-A-R-A at MSN.com. And then I do have a blog. It's oh. called yeah, Storytime with Sunshine um, dot WordPress.com. And it has a lot of stories from my class, like hilarious stories, but then more serious stories. Just a lot of stories. Okay. And do you have a yeah. newsletter as well, or is it just the blog and email? I do have a newsletter, yes. And so is, there, is there a way for people to sign up for that? The best um, emailing, and then I can put you on the on the list. I also, I do send the um, newsletter through email or I send it out as um, hard copies as well, just depending on preference. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's great. Now, Mm -hmm. Samara, thank you again so much for being with us. I really appreciate your time and your generosity. Your, your smile is infectious. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's the end of our time with Samara Murtaugh. I would like to say a huge thank you to her for making this interview happen. You may not know this, but we actually tried to record this a few weeks ago and didn't go so well. We had some internet connection problems and frankly, it was almost impossible to understand what we were saying to each other. So I'm really thankful that she made herself available to give us this opportunity. All of the resources and links and everything that we've talked about will be available in the show notes, which are found at engagingmissions.com slash Samara Murtaugh or slash 24. If you've been a regular listener to the show, you'll notice that we did change up the format a little bit this week. Uh, I've been doing that a little bit more over the last few weeks. I'm just trying to kind of hit my stride and find my voice and find the format that gives you what you're hoping to find and also gives missionaries the opportunity to share the amazing things that have happened in their lives. Missionaries like Samara Murtaugh and all of our former guests, I really would love to hear from you to find out if this is meeting the needs that you have, you can send that feedback to feedback at engagingmissions.com. In all honesty, I'd just love to hear from you, even if you want to just say, hi, I listen to the show. I'd really appreciate hearing from you. One other thing that you can do to really help us would be to share the links to this show and also to give us a rating and review in iTunes. You may not know this, but Leaving a rating and review in iTunes and also subscribing is one of the ways that help us, other people find us in the iTunes library. It's also a good way for you to give me feedback if you didn't want to send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Now, if you've never subscribed to a podcast in iTunes or if you've never left a rating and review, it can seem a little daunting, but it's actually not that hard. To make it even a little bit easier, if you go to engagingmissions.com slash iTunes, you'll find a short video that will show you everything that you need to know to find the show, to leave a rating and a review, and to make sure that you don't miss any of the future updates. This has been the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Thanks so much for listening. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.